Welcome back to another episode of It's Go Time. So, do you guys know Agas in Houston? Yeah, we went there. We went there. The, we the Pakistani there. restaurant. The amazing, amazing, food. amazing food. But more than the food, I find that their end-to-end experience is unlike any other Desi restaurant I've ever been to. From the time you be there and you take a, um, uh, they they sign you in, text yeah. message. Operationally, there is no place down. like it. They got it. I down. know. They got it nailed it you down. You saw you saw the conveyor belts and everything for the takeaway the food. Exactly. 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 Like a machine. And and the the yeah. waiters right behind you. It's it's super efficient. Yeah. So here's the story, and I think. Um, Are you related to them? No. Okay. <laughs> Just <laughs> <No>. <laughs> People ask me that, but no, I wish. Uh, so they came to Dallas to scout this area for Agas in Dallas. Someone told me this, yeah. and they said no. They said they didn't find a good enough place for foot traffic. See, do you know where they are in Houston? It's a huge mall, huge parking, lots of foot foot traffic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Dallas, they said, don't have a place like that. Mm-hmm. And I disagree. There's plenty of places like that. So, but they tried and they said no to Dallas. Maybe they love. Well, I know people from Dallas go like to Houston just to eat at Agas. Just to eat at Agas. Like people do a day trip, four hours drive, eat food, come back. (laughs) And what amazed us about Agas was the number of non-Desi people that were there when we went. Yeah, it was white people, Asian people, everybody. It was no, they've got it really nailed down. No, no, but that's what you want. If you want to open a successful, you can't just rely on one demographic. You can't rely on our demographic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Agas is good. Um, the one we went to this time was Ashers. Uh, brilliant. This is in Musa Colony, your colony. Okay. <laughs> uh, wonderful food, great ambiance. The one thing that Dallas, I don't know a single good halal Dallas restaurant which has good customer service. Yeah, okay. Over there, they had multiple people waiting on you. Extreme, I mean, five people would come ask you, how was the food? Can we make it any better? What's going well? So you well. got the customer service. You, you, it's it's key. Here we go cheap. We don't we don't hire enough waiters. We don't hire enough support staff. So we don't Are have you, as good experience. You're on Dallas Halal Restaurant Group on Facebook. Yeah. Man, yeah. People just complain about that. So yeah. Someone sees <laughs> the price that I had. 10 bucks a day. I'm not paying for that. <laughs> that's right. like, how you want it? The restaurant not going to survive. Then, exactly. Right? That's and the, this, this place down here nearby, the Adas, that restaurant. Yes. It was a nice, different flavor. And they shut down. Never ate yeah. there. I never did either. We tried, the, uh, I think Walid brought food for us one time. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, we because it. it was Chef Asim. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. Chef Is he Asim still said. there? No. It so Chef Asim them. then went and opened La Croix in Frisco. And then yeah, that, but that, that closed down. Yes. That was too expensive. I went, uh, I went there yeah. multiple times, actually. I loved the food, loved the quality. But La Croix had um, expensive. Is it? Huh? Yeah. Uh, now it's done. It's closed. Okay, so so Khurum, tell me what is what is a gauge of expensive and non-expensive in Dallas compared to? It's a good question. I will give you an answer which is different from what my wife will say. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I wanna, I want when I go to eat somewhere. So there's two types, right? One is I'm taking my family. We're hungry. We just want to get some good food and we're done. The other is uh, we're actually going to a nice sit-down place, like you're going with your wife, or like we had that business meeting at Twelve Cuts or whatever okay, it was. Yeah, yeah. That's a different bar, right? Okay. For the for that one, you're paying seventy, eighty bucks, a hundred bucks a person. a person, and I'm okay with that. That's you know you yeah. choose to do that. Yeah. You wear a, a shirt and go there, things exactly. like that, right? <laughs> and you expect that service yeah. on the other side as well. I don't mean you don't wear a shirt for the other, <laughs> <person>. <laughs> but yeah. you could wear whatever. Yeah, t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for the family stuff, uh, I I really think it's less to do with the price itself and more to do with what value you're getting out of it, right? So when I go there, I most 
unfortunately restaurants here people are just upset for some reason you go there they're angry yeah. or they're they're in a bad mood like, why are you coming to my restaurant? Why, yeah as if why you're doing you? me a favor by me going and paying you for food <laughs> so that's my major problem expensive i would say if it takes my i my son my daughter if you're four adults going and eating some place 100 bucks hmm, hmm, hmm. that seems to be what it costs now yeah, yeah, and i think yeah. it's okay but there's other places 150 bucks 200 bucks well then you got to have the right experience that's coming out of it exactly there's i'll right. give you another example there was a new restaurant that opened uh, in richardson gareeb nawaz right apparently okay. it's like a chicago thing it's big on devon street yes. they opened a branch here yeah i think i heard about yes, it yes, we heard yes, about yes, i know yes, tried it but. it was really cheap so cheap i couldn't believe how they could have the price like <laughs> like a 6 dollar biryani whatever plate allahu akbar okay but then so you go there because it's so cheap mm-hmm. but then it just was not good quality it just was not good quality it was frozen rice mm-hmm. you could sometimes feel that the rice was still cold because they took it out of the freezer okay poor okay, experience okay, okay. people standing up there are probably 6 dollar 7 dollars an hour college students mm-hmm. all yeah. that and they closed down But even it was closed down in three months. So maybe, maybe there is actually a right That's balance. Right. Someone just needs to figure the right balance out. If people are willing to pay, if you get the right quality experience. and you get the right experience. Yes. That's the okay. experience. And the when we're talking about agas, it's the experience. Everybody asks me about agas. I'll say, from the moment I just the way I describe to you guys, mm-hmm. from the moment you walk up to the moment you leave, it's an experience. Exactly. Yes. And yeah, the food is great too. Mm-hmm. Here in Dallas, we don't get good experience. It's either one or the other. Like Apparently another Chicago restaurant Usmania is open or opening in Dallas also in Richardson. I haven't okay. seen it. That's a nicer sit down place. Yeah yeah yeah. So I'll I'll look forward to that when it opens here. Sure. Restaurants. We went to London now. Oof, restaurants are expensive. Mrs. Aga, I mean, amazing food. Sure. It was but we had the the uh, this variation in London. Oh my word, there's so much of halal options for us to to have. It's it's mind-boggling. It's Similar actually, to Canada, and it's a little um, embarrassing that UK is so much ahead of us in so many matters when it comes to. But Islam. is it so? Khurem? Let's talk about that. So I mean, even in the topic of Islamic finance, which yeah. is what I've been doing for so years, exactly, for many years, right. right? And I spend a lot of time talking to people in UK, people who are doing this. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. I personally think UK is one generation ahead of us. Correct. Okay. People uh, move there. Right. one generation before they moved Correct. here similar to south africa similar to south, maybe south africa was two generations ahead, ahead yeah. right okay. i'm talking about people moved to the uk in the 70s probably yes yes yeah. right yes, yes, yes. and now what the people there are maybe second maybe third generation now Correct. so people who are running businesses there hmm. maybe people who are in their 30s their grandparents probably went to uk yeah yeah, yeah. in the us right. it's i'm a first generation yes. i moved here yeah. right yeah. Uh, we're still 20 30 40 years behind yeah, so yeah. that's one reason the second and when you grow up when my son grows up here he will have a need for services so he'll create those solutions uk did that 10 20 30 years ago so that's one reason the second reason is the overall infrastructure for islamic related businesses is well understood in uk it's not understood in the in the us at all in the us you go to someone and you talk about a sharia compliant loan agreement or a no interest kind of um, agreement it, it just is not possible okay. in the uk it's understood people there have these contracts as templates lawyers know how to deal with that again because they've been working on it for longer than us exactly uk has the same population for muslims as they do in the us about the same although mm. uk is much smaller yeah, yeah, which means the percentage is higher yeah, yeah. but raw numbers there's about 5 million 5 million okay So, but why are they so much more ahead of us? Is for that reason. 
Yeah, but again, it's a generational leap, I think. I yeah? agree. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, in, in, uh, similarly in South Africa, the uh, what we expose to Islamically and what our Muslims have, have done for us with the halal food or, or Sharia-compliant finance products, now insurance, Islamic insurance products, I mean... Uh, we we be pretty far ahead yeah. compared to to the US. Well, yeah. I think that's the why US we uh, like us can hopefully bridge that gap and try to catch help us catch up because now we recognize our shortfalls, right? In the Islamic, in, you know, it's a fi- in finance, Islamic finance, in food, in you know, just general day to day things. But now hopefully we can bridge that gap that uh, you know one generation or two generations behind. Now it's our but chance but to try to bridge the gap. I think I will add on to that, and I'll say we must. Yeah, it's we not have, that we, we should. It's we must. We Here's to, yeah. why: because people start to say, you know, when people when you talk to somebody about Islamic finance in the U.S., what's the number one thing that comes to people's mind? Mortgages. Mortgage. Yeah. I'm buying a house. How do I get a Sharia compliant mortgage? Right. Mm-hmm. right, and then people bifurcate into multiple different. Oh, so you're getting it from La Reba or Guidance, but eventually they're still getting the money from Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. All that. All that discussion, right? Yeah. So we are still stuck there. Yeah, but in South Africa, that's not the case. When uh, you talk Islamic finance, you know what the first thing they'll think of? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to put my money in this fixed deposit there account from FNB, one of the best banks, or Standard Bank, and they're going to give me 7% Sharia compliant every year. Exactly. I'm done. Exactly. They don't think about the mortgage. Actually, they wouldn't take the mortgage. So then we need to move beyond yeah, that. Yeah, we have beyond, beyond that. And, and because no. your house yeah, is not your asset. No, it's, it's an right. asset, but it's not an investment. Yeah. You're living there. If right. you're living in something, you can't call that as an investment. Exactly. Okay. Right? right? But he, that's where people are stuck here. I would tell you, uh, and I'm talking educated people, people who've done masters here, this is all they can think about when it comes to Islamic finance. Mortgages. And what's the structure of the mortgage? There is so much more to do about Islamic finance in this country. And why I said to you that we must, it's because it's an obligation on people like us who know to create solutions, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, people are going to blame Islam or finance or Islamic finance. But the problem was not with the Islamic finance institution. It was because I didn't create those solutions. But Khurram, the question is, right, let's take, for example, staying on this topic, but let's talk about the masajids, for example. It's, you're going to have an issue where, or what I'm seeing a stumbling block here is your first generation, your older generation that came in here, started the Messiah, they don't want to accept the change. Mm-hmm. They don't want to accept that maybe the way you went about starting off a community Messiah, was different. If you look, I've told this story many times about South Africa or whatever. They created a waqf before the masajid was ever built. That's right. I mean, they they realized at that time we are moving to this country to set foundations and to stay here, mm-hmm. right? India, Pakistan, wherever it was that we came from, it was India at that time, late 1800s. We leave our home there and that will be our holiday home for if our right. generations ever want to go. But they also realized we can't keep on sucking the community dry of resources because we need to build other things, mm-hmm. whether it be schools, universities, da 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 and that is why then they created these works that they all take care of the masajid. Where you go to SA or you go to some masajid in the UK, you won't ask, see them to ask you for money. That's right. Or donations. And and that was an eye-opener that was <coughs> pointed out to me by my partner over here mm-hmm. when I took him to South Africa. So that needs to change. And how it changes, we're seeing new masajid come up every year in Dallas. 
why nobody starts up a wakf. That's we right. keep on harping on about this for the last three to five years. And people understand what it is and what they need to do, but they never go about doing it. I, I could I could give you so many more data points about this. And here's why. It goes back to a generational thing. In the US, people like me, you know, when I moved here, I didn't think I would live here permanently. Hmm. That was, I moved to Canada in 97 to study at McGill University. And yeah, I will do this and pay off my loans and go back to Pakistan. That was the mindset. Mm-hmm. My kids grew up here. My son was born in 2004. Then we started to think maybe this is permanence. But we're still confused. I actually know many people. They still have, my friends, my age, been here 20 years, still have this mind, mindset, this thought process. Maybe we should buy a property in Islamabad for our retirement. Things like that. Until we have that mindset, we just With don't invest state, yeah. in where we live. Exactly. Right? But our kids, they grew up here. They speak the language here. For them, they're not thinking about going back to South Africa or to Pakistan. They're thinking, what do we do here? Correct. UK has been through this hump. Yeah. We have not. Mm-hmm. And that's why we make Masajid and we do fundraising for it without thinking longer term. I know of a company, a Takaful-based company in UK who was whose marketing pitch was a vuk for 300 years of Muslims. Sure. They wanted oh. to create a strategy for 300 years. Now, maybe they were overblowing. I don't know. But that was a, that was a thought process. That's the mindset. That's Let's mindset. think about how Islam in the UK would be 100 years from now, like in South Africa. Hmm. They yeah. did that in the late 1800s, right? That's 120 mm-hmm. years ago. Correct. Correct. Exactly. That's, nobody in the US does that. Jewish communal fund. Hmm. That's the biggest Jewish wakf, if you might want to call it. It's a donor-advised fund. Yeah. They have $6 billion dollars. Okay. Or a little bit less than that, but something in the three to six billion dollar range. Right. And they invest in themselves. They invest in their youth. They invest in startups that their youth are starting up, right? There's only one Islamic or Muslim founded communal fund, AMCF. That's it. Their market cap is less than one million dollars. Sure. People are running it part time. People have a horrible experience with it. I, I know the founder, I love them, but they just don't have the support. One, people don't know. They don't have financial literacy about it. And two, they still don't think we need permanence. They still don't think we need to create something for 20 years out. We what to talk about 100 years thinking out. Thinking too short-sighted. Mindset change, it's a right? mindset change. Absolutely. And, and so, the, so the key point, you, if you want to carry out all these things, you have to first educate and change the mindset. But that's right. Now, how do you do that? Because the only education channel is what? Masajid again? Yes. Right? That's I've I've been doing Islamic fintech for three, four years now. My one number one, number two, number three biggest challenge is the same. How do I market so that Muhammad will get my marketing material? Okay. How do I have the channel to be able to access Ahmad? And there's no good channel. I personally think in the US if Islamic startups are to flourish, and there are many of them, many in the Dallas area, we have to solve this marketing problem. Otherwise, all these companies are gonna die. Correct. Marketing channel. There needs to be channels to target Muslims. Right now, the only channel is masjid. That's, That's the only one common place where you can access a congregation. Okay. Facebook doesn't work. Instagram doesn't work. Twitter doesn't work. So what works then? Partnerships don't work. You go to mass con or ikna conventions. 40,000 people attend in one go. Yeah. But how do you market to them? Somebody needs to solve this problem. Marketing channels for Muslims. If I were to not do Islamic fintech and I were to do another business, I would focus on that. Okay. How do you create channels to get to Muhammad in a cheap manner? I'll share my for my investment startup, Agas, I was paying more than 50 bucks to get one customer. That's my cost of acquisition. acquisition yeah. And not all of those customers then convert to long-term customers. It's very expensive. Why? 
there are 5 million people yeah there are potentially 500000 muslims <coughs> adults enough income who should be investing in a sharia compliant investment portfolio correct they're not doing it because they don't know about it correct. our job is to get to them so that they can we can tell them about it yes, how yes. do we do that how amana which is in my opinion the best functioning islamic business in this country amana mutual funds mm-hmm. yes. they have 5 billion dollars that they're doing and they've been doing it for 30 40 years yeah. monim salam who's their managing director i've talked to him a bunch about this their marketing strategy is just brand awareness they go to every single masjid in the country there's 2100 of them and they do at least once a year almost every masjid and they just go and say this is amana this that's is what all. we do that's all yeah how in how expensive non scalable is that that is to go yeah we need to solve Boots this marketing ground. problem number one then we solve the education problem yeah focus first you got to reach the people then you can educate them so then that's you right can yeah. educate them. right yeah. so access is the big problem actually and people understand that i was uh, when i was pitching for agaz into some vcs it was a muslim vc actually and he everything was fine but he just said what's your channel for distribution how will you access muhammad and an answer i gave him just didn't work that was the one reason why he didn't invest in me so what answer was he looking for what is the answer actually he didn't know he thought there was no channel so every channel i would give him he would argue that that doesn't work he thought there is no channel and that's why he wouldn't invest in an islamic startup because sure. he doesn't think the scale can be achieved cheaply enough ah interesting yeah so and, yeah. since you touched on on aga tell us give us some insight who khurum aga is how uh, where you started i mean you came down you studied in canada you told us how did you end up being into khurum invest that that you have right now uh, give us some insight on who khurum so um i was in canada from 97 to 2001 okay. and i studied computer engineering at mcgill <coughs> okay and i had no intention to stay here as i mentioned earlier right i thought i would just do do my degree go back and do my parents family business everybody has that thought right okay okay um i so don't even where about in in pakistan in pakistan where about? lahore lahore okay. my my parents are still there my brother is still okay, there okay so family business is there everything yeah my okay. my family business is very unrelated to software or computers they do iron casting and fabrication and oh, okay. oh, all that, that material my family has been doing it for 100 years my Show great grandfather Oh, wow. they had a, a factory Mashallah. which my grandfather did my dad did and then it broke because i didn't do it <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you have brothers you have i have brothers. i have a brother but uh, he's also in more in software and okay, all okay, so okay. the family uh, that is kind of breaking there after okay. my father that but that's okay we have to evolve we have to grow 100% so um so what got you into the computer sciences what, what so when i actually applied to mcgill i was trying i wanted to do business yeah i had no idea about computers or software or this that uh, but anyway i thought maybe i was good in math good in engineering so i just started to do computer engineering so i did computer engineering which means i did hardware and computer system design and vhdl and all that i actually never did software okay just one day there was a career fair i dropped my resume to microsoft they were like 100 companies and i dropped my resumes all over there for an internship yeah microsoft was the only company that called me back oh, ah, and i was you know full of my i thought i was doing mcgill computer engineering i'm <laughs> going to get a list of offers it's like when you think about you getting married right you'll have 10 options and you know you'll be able to last stack right no it doesn't work like that actually yeah. so same i microsoft was the only one company that called me back right so i interviewed with them for a software role and i had never done software wow. so they hired me for an internship 
So I went to Microsoft campus in Seattle okay. in the summer of 2000. It's a long time ago, 24 yeah. years ago. And I'd spent three months there. And before I left back to school, because I still had one year of school to go, they offered me a full-time job. Oh, wow, mashallah. So I was like a broke student, had no money, <laughs> didn't know what to do with my life. And Microsoft, and I had a great, they treat you like kings. I was invited to Bill Gates' house. Oh, wow. All the interns oh, yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, I met Bill Gates right away and at his house, which is on the shores of Lake Washington, gorgeous mm -hmm. location. Uh, when you are treated like that, that's what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I went back to my school, accepted the offer. And I was full-time at Microsoft in 2001 at the end of the year. Oh, and then again, I'm thinking maybe a few years here and there, all that. And then 18 years. 18 Just yeah, like that, it just passes. I got married, alhamdulillah, had kids. Kids grew up there. Seattle was a very good, very small, but very good Muslim community. Uh, grew with us. There were like 40, 50 people our age who all grew with us. So then I uh, also went to Oracle and did some engineering there for, for a few years. But here's what the light bulb moment for me that came. And this is actually a true experience that happened with me. So after Microsoft, Microsoft was giving you employee stock option plans and all purchase it, plans yeah. and 401ks and all that. And I didn't know much. So I just started to invest in all that. So like 10, 20, 10, 15 years ago, maybe early 2010s, uh, in my tax return, 1090, when I was filing my taxes, I saw um, interest income. Okay. In my okay. bank statement or mm -hmm. my f financial fidelity statement. And I was just, that, that's, I was curious. Why do I have interest income? Yes, yes, okay. I'm not taking any interest from the bank because yeah. I had no idea. But interest yeah. is not okay, right? No, it's not. So why is I, why do I have interest income? Okay, then I look back at my previous interest income. I just never looked at it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that got me down this, I want to call it rabbit hole of investigation. Right, okay. So it looks like when you are investing in mutual funds or bonds if you are if you have a financial advisor who doesn't know your value system they put you in a 60-40 portfolio stocks and bonds and this and that and you are investing and getting income from riba from interest exactly. yeah. so the thought process I had was man I am spending so much time in finding halal food because oh it has to be slaughtered the right way and all that yeah, yeah. but if I read the Quran Interest is a much bigger deal than halal yeah, chicken. Of course. Yeah. If you're buying that halal deal. chicken with interest income, it's the haram chicken. There you go. <laughs> it's haram right? chicken. And, and, and that, was the mind, that was the light bulb moment. Yes, yeah. So then I was like, okay, I got it. I'm not going to do interest now. But then what, has the option, what are the options for me? So I started to look around. One option was Amana Mutual Funds, which I mentioned earlier. Okay, yes. okay so I put all my investment 401ks in Amana. No disrespect to Amana. Amana is so expensive. Yeah. You're paying 2% yeah. almost in They're fees. Yeah. Fees, right? Fees, yeah. And they, mm. they're really just um, technology fund. Microsoft, Apple, Google, those were their holdings. Yeah. Why can't I just do it myself then? Okay. Yeah. Right? Why do I have to pay them so much money Correct. for that? Yeah. So that got me thinking about customized software-based investment solutions. So I can invest in whatever I want as long as I know that it's Sharia compliant. Yes, yes, yes. So that's how Agar started. Okay. And I went and did an MBA from Wharton in 2016, learned about investment management, learned about finance. So I have a very strong background in technology, obviously, that's my career. Mm -hmm. But I also have academic background in finance and investments through my MBA. MBA. So fintech was natural for me. Correct. So yeah. that's why I started Agaz. So Agaz in Urdu means beginning, the yeah. first step. Uh, so it's interesting. People say, oh, you Aga investing, like my name. It's got nothing to do with my name, actually. It's Agaz means start. Or start. beginning. Yeah. So Agaz Investments Amazing. is your investment journey starting. 
according to Islamic principles. That's the thesis behind it. And what I wanted to do was just create solutions for people so they are not financially excluded. That's my main main problem. I I believe everybody needs a chance. Yes. You know, many of us, myself, we come to the US or whenever, 200 bucks in our pocket, right? That's the proverbial story. Yeah. I actually legitimately did. And um, US gave me opportunities and I was able to make a living, alhamdulillah, very good, very grateful for that. But there are so many Muslims out there who are excluded because they care for their values and they would not put money in a mutual fund that is not Islamic. Yes. yes. What's their fault? Why, why are they excluded? Mm. Why do they not get the same advantages that Joe is getting? They that was my main thesis. So I started Agaz, which is a goals-based investment management solution, very automated. You can create a portfolio through your phone, transfer 500 bucks, and you're investing. And we have Sharia-compliant portfolios that we keep updating. We have Sharia-compliant Sharia advisors who look at all that to make sure that we're giving you a good values-based portfolio. Here's the insight I got. So we have, alhamdulillah, some investors who are hundreds of K in their portfolio and some who are 500K, $500 portfolio, yeah. even less, $100, because that's my minimum. What's interesting is when I talk to those customers, this was, for many of them, this was their first investment account ever. Allah they had never invested before. So yeah, they're only putting in $250, but because that's all they have. <laughs> they have to start somewhere. Have to start somewhere. So that was an insight that we just don't have solutions. So that's Akaz. That's yeah. the journey. And now it's I've been doing it for three years and so now there are potential pivots out there. I'm seeking to explore and expand more globally, working on with partners so that I can launch in other, other geographies, also give our technology as a license to others. And we're also coming up with some other interesting solutions based on the same core concept. Okay. okay. There are many different types of Muslim investors who want to put their money according to their values. That's it. What do they need? And I want to create solutions for that. So so within your app, like the Aga Invest app, does that ask these questions, pertinent questions to the to a new investor? Or what are your goals? What are this, that? And and then it tailor makes something for them. Right. Is that what happens? Okay. Yeah. So uh, if you just think about if you had a Fidelity investment account, yeah. uh, they would ask you some risk questions, which are part of the SEC regulation, which we are a member of SEC. Um but then they also say, okay, we'll put your money in this. You are an aggressive investor or a conservative investor, and we'll come up with a portfolio for that. We actually do all that, and then we ask a little more questions. So we'll say, okay. Muhammad, what is your goal? Okay. So I don't want to create a long-term income maximization strategy. That's yes, fine. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I want to create work on your goals. So your goal might be you want to take your mother to Hajj in five years. Yes, That's a 50 grand investment. Yes, yeah. maybe how more. We, how do we achieve that? Right? Maybe uh, this Daud here wants to buy a house yes. and he needs to put in 100K down in three years. So people have financial goals. Okay. You save for goals. We don't want to save just for the sake of my bank account is increasing. I look at it every day. This is like, I mean, you're just increasing. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but, but saving for your goals is a noble thing. Yes, you're yes, going yes, to yes. provide a house for your family or Hajj. Or, hajj is our number one goal, by the way. Hajj yeah, and Umrah. Correct. House is the number two goal. People want to buy houses okay. and saving for that. Okay. And then there are marriage is number three. I want to save for my marriage. So these are all the goals that people yeah. make. So what we then do is Muhammad might have three goals. Mm. One for a house, one for a hajj, and one for a big vacation or something. I don't know, whatever it is. So then we create data science-based portfolios for each of your goals. Okay. Each portfolio okay. will be different. It will be managed differently. It will have its own recurring deposit. It will have its own management profile. Everything. And everything is automated. Subhanallah. That's really? what Agast does. That's, That's amazing, amazing, man. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. That's amazing. Yeah. 
do you that's, think that's do you think it was the right uh looking back now three years i know it's not much time but do you think it was the right segue in your career and your choice that you've made you uh you know i was talking to this um islamic investor right. who wanted to put money or i was talking to him for the goal of whether he would invest in my company or not uh i've done a lot of vc and i've raised alhamdulillah some capital from there muslims and others and he asked me a very interesting question so he asked me if aghaz fails what would you do mm. that's what you're asking also exactly. was it the right thing to do and i actually thought about it and i told him if aghaz fails i will start another startup in islamic finance okay so i believe okay. that through providence alhamdulillah i've been put into a place where we should create solutions for muslims that outlast us exactly 100% right create so i it needs to create cash flow and returns i i'm a very ambitious results oriented guy but the mission is that it should be something that my kids can use sustainable sustainable long term business yes. and it it has to be growing with the needs of our customers whatever okay. they need 20 30 years from as now, it evolves as it evolves okay so for example <coughs> my son is 20 he's in college he is going to need a checking account he's going to need to pay his bills tomorrow he's have his own place he doesn't have any money to invest yeah but he does have need for he has this idea i should introduce you to him he wants he's a he's a big time bodybuilder he played football here in texas alhamdulillah and he he wants to create a muslim gym okay so he goes to gyms all the time yeah. and he's a 20 year old guy and he's like lots of fitna there <laughs> so can we make a muslim gym yeah. a muslim gym where we have a modern everything guys girls separate yeah. separate yeah. have different swimming pools different Dance? gyms and everything what do you think you're a gymmer yeah good, good idea good idea so yeah. i i i told him i will invest in your business yeah you go ahead and do it That's you good. will run operationally i will invest and i told him i'll in, in, uh, introduce you to five people who will support you you're one of them there's multiple others and also invest with you yeah that's what the jewish communal fund does by the way 100% we have to support our community that's yeah. that's you're right. right that's what we like so he needs investment capital then tomorrow he'll need to he'll start a job he'll have 401k's he'll have investment needs then he'll have life insurance and mm-hmm. medical insurance keeps growing old then he needs private equity investments All of then them. he needs estate planning estate planning yeah we have a financial life cycle yes we need solutions for each part of that financial life cycle 100% right and many of them don't exist that's the mission and i think within that life cycle right you can support biz- muslim businesses within that whole cycle similar to the jews right where money has to circulate five times before it leaves the community that's right <laughs> right yeah. that's exactly right so that so whether you use this service okay we invest in the gym he uses service providers that are muslims that's right. they use service providers that are muslim that you build and it's a full community so you build a community and that, that's how it's so that's exactly and you know we focus and nothing <coughs> against we focus a lot on instant gratification yes thing is communities are not built on instant gratification they take years decades generations right so mm-hmm. we do what we're saying and maybe 20 years from now muslims will actually be a powerful lobby in the us we hope so but we got a issue here okay. which i've identified is that as human beings are evolving as social media changes people's perceptions as things instant gratification becomes a bigger problem people want instant gratification it's an addiction problem bottom line absolutely whether it be to a substance whether it be to your phone whether it be people want instant results 
And and that is something. How do you overcome that? How do you tell people? Yeah, I know you want to get rich tonight, but how do you, would do we sustain this going forward? But see, some people can think like that, mm. but there needs to be visionaries, innovators mm. who take a long-term approach. Exactly, there needs to, to be yeah. some of that. Not everybody, but some. Yeah, some some have to think longer term. Without it, you know, people think, "Oh, twenty-five years is a long time." I've actually been here twenty-seven years, ninety-seven, mm. yeah. and I'm a I'm a sixteen-year-old young man at heart. Of I, course, you look <laughs> like <laughs> I was about to so, say, you look like you. So, so twenty-seven yeah. years went like that. Yeah. So before we know it, another twenty will go by. 100%. So if we don't do something today. Those next twenty will have having the same conversation twenty years from now, that has and then change. we failed, yeah. and that's what that's, I meant to you that yeah. we must. Yeah. I feel we have an obligation on the day of judgment that we had potential. Allah gave us a situation, potential, the ability, the resources to make a difference. No, we will be answerable, and we will be answerable on that. Of course, that's why we must. Hundred percent right. Agree. With the money that we have, with the education that we have, with the minds that we have, we are answerable for everything. Exactly. And and that's my motivation. Yeah. That's my why, as they call it. Uh, but I think it needs many more than just me, because I will try three things. Two of them will probably fail. This is this the nature of businesses. Mm -hmm. You know that we were talking about that earlier. So we need ten of me, ten of you, ten of Muhammad, so that we try thirty businesses, of yeah, which so. ten will become hundred million dollar businesses. Yes, yes, yes. But if you only try three. We are just limiting your ourselves. Your sample size yeah. is so tiny. You never, exactly. you'll never, you'll never you see beyond it. Yeah. So, one of the reasons I moved to Dallas was actually this. I was in Seattle for 20 plus years. I was just about to ask. Happy why. over there. Yeah. One of the reasons we moved here, one was that there's good college options. My son's going to college. My daughter will, inshallah, go to good college here. Uh, that's one reason. Another one is the community here. Okay. And community is find those 10 people who can partner up and do this. Right? Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. I'll do something. My friend Usman will do something. And eventually, we're just trying our own little things in the dark. What about a coherent strategy? What about combining and sharing resources and one person creates this marketing company and all of the other ones use it. One of them creates a finance solution and everybody else uses it. One of them creates insurance and everybody else uses it. That's the way forward. It is. Then we break the dependency chain. I actually have investors, by the way, non-Muslim investors are very interested in my idea in, in Agas. They, I have multiple investors who put money. They're not Muslim at all. But they see the market and they see the potential, and they see that nobody's doing anything in it. But that's wow. a dependency, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. But yes. why can't we break that dependency and invest in five times in ourselves? We have to. We, we have, have to, to figure out a way to do that. That's it. Yeah. So if you ask me, what do I want to do for the rest of my life is to solve that problem. That problem. Hmm. I don't know what I'll do, but that's all I want to do. I would, right I would, uh, I would love to be supporting yeah, you. Yeah, so we're with you on that journey. Yeah, I inshallah, think we're with you on inshallah. that journey. If you allow us to be of I course. think it's a big it's a big problem that we need to solve. Yeah. And also I think I think coming coming from SA and looking in there's also now further problems that occur when you start creating sustainability and and trying to ensure that legacies last long. We can learn from the mistakes that now we're seeing generationally in SA where people have built empires and have and lost you see them fall, yeah. yeah. Okay, so how do we now learn from that and ensure that people have this you know, I'll, I'll also give you two other example data points on, on that topic. So everybody talks about the greatest generational wealth transfer is mm -hmm. happening now, right? Mm -hmm. All the baby boomers are passing away or retiring Correct, and yeah. money is going to millennials. Millennials are older and that money will go to Gen Zs. Mm -hmm. It's called the greatest transfer of wealth. Correct. You know, that actually applies to Muslims also. 
Yes, of course. There are Muslims who are very rich. Yes. Their wealths are transferred to their inheritors. Yeah. How? People here, I was talking to somebody and in Seattle, burial ground is expensive. Correct. People are investing in a burial ground. Plots. Now, plot. Yeah. Plot. And they're paying eight thousand dollars today because it's going to be twenty when they pass away. Yeah, I think to get buried here at Redstone is like fifteen k or three. Right. Yeah, yeah, something. It's very expensive. Crazy. So it's it sounds like a pretty morbid thing, but it's actually a need in the community. You People to, pass away yeah. without the ability to pay to afford to pay yeah, the to afford, and their yeah, yeah. their poor mm. wife is left behind. How is she going to pay all this? We need to create solutions. Again, this is where now the takaful insurance solution. Correct. Agree, and not just takaful. The end of life planning that you you had the idea about. That's I mean, just one example. Yeah, yeah. Life cover. It assists, it assists widows and so on in, in, right. in times of need. Exactly. There's, I mean, my favorite Islamic or non-Islamic business is Akhwat in Pakistan. Okay. Uh, but uh, Dr. Amjad Saqib. So this is a microfinance uh, institution. So they will, uh, a widow will come and take $100. And that's it. She'll just take it. And she'll go and do something. They have more than a 97% return rate. Sure. So they are giving a loan to somebody who's not qualified, but what they do is they don't give you a hundred dollars or whatever the equivalent Pakistani rupees is. They actually give you the tools to start a small business. So maybe with that hundred dollars, mm-hmm. they'll help that widow get a sewing machine okay. or something like that. Okay. So then okay. she can start to cash mm-hmm. flow, and then she eventually Amazing. returns that money. Ninety-seven. I I don't know the exact number, but in this ballpark, ninety-seven percent people return the initial capital. Amazing. Who what? Dr. Ramji Saqib should get a Nobel Prize and maybe inshallah one day he will. He has transformed the microfinance sector in Pakistan with Amazing. this type of approach. Doesn't we have nothing like that here. No, to have some type of like incubator. Yeah. yeah, and also it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be millions. Yeah. A lot of people just need, you know, $10,000 or exactly. small, small, small amounts just to, money, to start something. Money. Get to just yeah. But again, don't give them cash so they <coughs> spend it on no, whatever. Give, give them the tools, tools and the ability. Yeah. That's right. The resources. That actually completes the loop. There you go. Don't give them the fish. Correct. Teach you them. Teach them. Teach to, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Teach mm-hmm. them how to catch it. Yeah. Oh wow. Amazing. A lot of insight you've given us here. We thank you for that. Of course, I love talking to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any parting words for our listeners, viewers? Anything that you want to relay on to to the community about about business, the youngsters. I think, um, and that's advice for myself, first of all, and also my kids, and then to everybody, really, is that we need to think just one step beyond ourselves. Yeah. Just one step. I'm not saying become philanthropists. I'm not saying become, you know, whatever entrepreneurs who are focused on non-social. No, no, no. Just think one step beyond yourself on who you are. We are here as a minority, and we want to live here, and we need to have a voice in U.S., the voice comes only when we have political capital political capital only comes when you have some kind of power power could be financial could be you know otherwise you'll keep protesting on the streets and nothing will really nothing happen nothing will happen yes nothing yeah. will really happen i'm sorry to say <coughs> right. so we need to invest in us as a group as a community and yes go and become really successful i think all of our youth should strive to be the best in whatever they're doing Correct. If they are my son's bodybuilder, weightlifting, do the best that you can become in that. You are an investment professional. Become the best in that. All of us. But then think one step beyond that you belong to a community. And see whatever in your limited, small little fashion you can do for your community. I don't agree. And then, and that's, that's amazing. over time, 
inshallah we won't have to protest on the street i think that's amazing advice man that's inshallah. but i think we need unity shukram don't you agree with that we need to come together and unify as do we yes we do of course i mean that's obviously true we do need unity but if you look at our cousins the jewish community right i mean i don't know if you guys are seeing what's happening in new york with what they're finding <laughs> <laughs> they have multiple <laughs> groups within the jewish faith as well of course the yeah. jewish voice per piece is very different from the zionist groups and all <laughs> and I, i don't know the political history i'm not but on common issues they are aligned so yeah fine i mean whether we pray asar early or pray asar late those are differences do what you hand man but at larger meta issues we can have alignment yeah. i don't use the word I agree. agree i just use the word align align right. means you can believe something Moving different but if he's going direction. in the same <laughs> yeah. same, same, same direction we're going that <laughs> and that that is possible that just requires leadership yeah. and I, you know i i'll tell you this i think that is a byproduct of success okay if we were successful yeah alignment happens but if you're not successful then there's no alignment people will just say you're not work it doesn't work out anyway i'm going to do this you're going to do that but if we were successful in a common strategy and people could see the results of that it's easy to, make, to get people aligned as well so i don't want oh there should be a khilafa and one Im- no we aren't going to get there in our lifetime forget about this, it huh? but can we get alignment yeah can we just get alignment that's all a meeting of the minds create some synergy between people yeah yeah, yeah. I think inshallah that will be our goals now going for 2024 going forward how do we push what you Start what you spoke about this uh and 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 I think uh assist our community in in investing in each other and driving us forward into the 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 new generation and the new future giving us that political clout that voice that we really need right yeah because because you're right these protests and everything are not helping us we got to do that that's a different discussion yeah. but it's not a long term strategy it's not a long term strategy yeah yeah you can't always play the victim take the bull by its horns mm-hmm. and let's do something and, and have a it's not going to happen tomorrow hmm. you need to have the patience that it's going to take time but if you don't start now then it's not going to happen even later happen, yep. so start now it's not going to change anything today the first crusade happened in the late you know 11th century 88 years later Salahuddin Ayyubi came and conquered Jerusalem again. Yes. There was 88 years between the first crusade and Salahuddin Ayyubi. It took time. It takes time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there were many protests in 1100 about <laughs> taking back <laughs> Palestine back then. But eventually the difference happened 88 years later. Yeah, you can never yes. lose hope. You It's can never keep, lose hope. You working. have to keep a longer keep term working. perspective. Hey, thank you so much, Khurram. My pleasure. Thank you, Shukran, for joining Why us yeah, today. Happy to be here. I think uh, there's many discussions to have, yeah, so we we'll have, have to have a part two. We'll, we'll do part two. <laughs> and, 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 anytime. <laughs> and for you to be our first guest in 2024, thank you. Oh, and appreciate that. It was that. amazing, and we appreciate your knowledge and and uh, you just being a good friend to us always, man, Khurram. Thank you so I, much. I appreciate you. You guys are very good company. Always give me something to think about. Yeah. Always positive energy. You know that's what I like. Doing something, Correct. do yeah. something. Just have action, movement. Always. Always. That that's my goal. Keep I, I mean, yeah, you just you just yeah. need to stay busy and yeah. and it needs to be beneficial not, to not you. Not not be afraid of failure, not be afraid of whether it'll work or not. Just keep action, keep moving. After you fail so many times, you you lose that fear. Yeah. Like most things yeah. and it's like, okay, I'm going into this. Inshallah it works out. Yeah. But if it doesn't, let's learn from it yeah. and then we yeah. move on to the next thing. But thank you Khurram. My pleasure. Thanks for watching today's episode of It's Go Time. Don't forget to like, 
follow, subscribe, and leave comments uh, on all of our channels. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're on YouTube, and don't forget our Instagram and Facebook pages as well.